Hello, Talking Foosballers. Matt Herman here with a little bonus content we think you're going to enjoy. It all goes back to a tweet. A tweet from who, you ask? From Julian Gressel. If, if you don't know him, he is a German midfielder plying his trade in MLS. And when he said in a tweet that he and fellow German MLSer Fabian Herbers were starting a podcast, well, we reached out to set up an interview to help spread the word. As you'll soon hear, Julian is a charming, down-to-earth dude. He's got a fascinating career path that took him from being cut loose from the Greuther Fürth Academy at age 15 to MLS Rookie of the Year by age 23. Today, he's at DC United, where he's getting ready to go to work under an exciting new coach in Hernan Losada. I caught up with him to talk about how he got there, his thoughts on football in the U.S. and in Germany, and of course, the brand new show, The Soccer Podcast. We got Julian Gressel here. And I did say Julian there, unlike you on your own podcast. How American have you become now, saying Julian? Well, I've been here for a long time, um, so I guess I've become quite American. But yeah, I guess as I introduce myself, I always say Julian. Yeah, yeah. I, I became Matt Hamann for a while when I was living in Germany. So you, you just got to adapt to the new country. When I go to Germany, it's actually funny because... Like people ask you about your name and then you're like, oh, uh, Julian, you, you kind of like say it that way, you know, you catch it, catch yourself. It's, uh, it's funny, but yeah. So what made you want to start a podcast? I'm a guy that, you know, I want to be connected to the fans. I want to be showing kind of my life to people that, you know, could be of interest of it that, you know, are, are fans that are excited to follow us as players. We're excited to have them in the stadium. So I feel like giving back and kind of giving them a glimpse of our life in a good way of, of kind of, you know, portraying my personal life a bit as, as being as open as possible. And I feel like a podcast is, is a great platform to just talk. You know, it's just audio. It's it's not about what you look like, what any, you know, anything else. It's just about what you say. And, and I think it's so informal that with Fabian, I have a really good relationship with Fabian Herbers and we just, you know, we kind of hit it off and we were excited to start the Soccer Podcast and kind of talk a bit about, you know, our life and and what uh, what an MLS season looks like, you know, from a player's perspective, a bit more more in depth. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to hear this podcast. I'm glad that you guys launched it right as you're about to sort of enter, you know, preseason and, and getting ready to, to play big games. I also understand that you have become more of a podcast, not only now a producer, but a listener. I mean, you mentioned Gemisches Hack on one of your episodes. That's a pretty, pretty big, very big German podcast, not really a sports podcast. Are there sort of role models that you guys got? I mean, I know I've listened a few times to the, you know, Tony and Felix Kohl's podcast, Einfach mal Lupen. That's, that's pretty fun. Yep. There's some MLS guys or former MLS guys that the BSI podcast, Benny Failhaber, Salzito and uh, Ike Opara have a podcast. that's pretty good. Are there podcasts that you look at and like, eh, I, I like what they're doing. Maybe we could try that out. It kind of started with, with the German podcast with you know, Einfach mal Lupen from the, the Kroos brothers, like you said, uh, with Gemischtes Hack and with the, the Hummels brothers too. Jonas and Mats Hummels have a little podcast as well in Germany. So I started with those just because I found it as a great way to listen to German podcasts so I could stay kind of thinking German, you know, hearing German because I don't do it a lot here. 
in the U.S. So I was like, oh, this might be a good way for me to, you know, kind of stay connected to the language a bit more. So my family doesn't always make fun of me um, when I speak to them. But yeah, and then the idea just came around with Fabian. I know he's a big podcast listener. Um, he listens to the similar ones that, that we just described. And um, I was like, have you ever thought about doing it? Have you ever thought about doing one yourself? And he was like, I haven't, but sounds like an interesting idea. So, and this was in like November last year when I reached out to him after the season. And he's like, let me think about it a bit. Uh, let me speak to some of those guys from Gemisch Tishak, you know, the producer and like some of those people to see kind of how much work it is and then what they do with it. And then in the new year, we kind of connected again and we're like, well, if we want to do it, I feel like we've got to do it before the season. So we did a couple months of groundwork and then kind of what we wanted to achieve and yeah, got it, got it off the ground. And yeah, I want to try and just give an inside perspective of what it's like as an MLS player, similar to, you know, what, what the Cross brothers are doing, probably Tony and, and Felix of, of kind of describing going through the games, you know, answering fan questions, that type of stuff. Nice. Yeah, it's, you're off to a great start. I, I enjoyed what I've heard so far, and I'm looking forward to more. Thank you. You guys are in kind of a small club, which is to say German players playing in MLS. There's a handful of others, you know, Kai Wagner, Hani Mukhtar, two or three other guys. Do you have any plans to sort of reach out to other people who are in, in your position, like sort of have similar backgrounds or have similar perspectives, you know, not American players playing in MLS who might look at sort of the atmosphere surrounding the league or, or, or whatnot a little differently? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I think it's, uh, you mean just with the podcast or, or in general? Yeah. Yeah, no, I think with the podcast we want, we know that, that Fabian for like has more German followers than I think he does in the US. So it might be a great way for us to kind of reach, you know, them and reach Germany a bit more and show them kind of what it's really like over here you know, to kind of give them a bit more of a perspective. And maybe players, you know, in Germany will listen to it and, and can kind of see themselves come here, if that's German players or other players. But yeah, I think it's 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 a good way to kind of kind of broaden that and that spectrum of, of what uh, MLS looks like. And, and yeah, the German guys in this league, we're, we're all connected uh, pretty well. You know, we're, we're pretty, pretty good friends off the field. We, we communicate regularly. And when you play against each other, you're always, you know, talking and all that stuff. So we've got to have some of those guys on the podcast for sure as guests as well at some point. Is there a, a German guys group chat? that uh, exists behind the scenes? No, not a group chat, but uh, I'm pretty close with Kai Wagner, for example, from, from Philadelphia. We've, we've, we've exchanged mes messages probably weekly, you know, um, and uh, yeah, so you just kind of, you just kind of have that connection, you know, and then you, you kind of just carry that with you um, into games and then after games and, and all that stuff. All right. Let me sort of take things back a little bit. I think most people, most folks here in the United States got to know you through your time at Atlanta United. That was, when you think about the circumstances there, I mean, you got with that team right as they were starting. They were shockingly successful right from the beginning. You guys won an MLS Cup in your second year. You were the rookie of the year in your first year. I mean, when you say all that, it sounds kind of surreal. Did it feel a little surreal at the time? How was that experience for you? At the time, it didn't feel surreal like in the moments no because it's very hard I, I find it very hard to really be like see the whole picture while you're kind of living it if that makes sense 
Um, but now, like, you know, after the season was over, for example, or even after my first game was over, you know, a couple couple days later or so, you kind of realize, wow, this was awesome, you know. And then after the season was over, like a few months later, or going into the new year, you're like, wow, like this is, you kind of start realizing it a bit more, you know. And so it, it is surreal now to me, yeah. During, the, during that time, it really wasn't because you just live it daily, you know. You try and get the best out of yourself as a player. You try to win games, you know, so you have you have other things carrying, you know, that 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 are in your mind. Um, but if you have a little bit of distance and, and you think back, you know, like I think back now, and it's like, yeah, it was an unbelievable year, um, an unbelievable start to my career, an unbelievable start to to Atlanta United's franchise, and, and kind of what we did there was was just special. Now that you've experienced. A couple of more seasons. The first two seasons under Tata Martino, I mean, I think a lot of people, MLS fans, look at those as like really, really special years. Third season with Atlanta, still very good. You won an Open Cup. You were still a really solid team, but not quite the same. And you have another year, obviously a hard year at DC United, the COVID year, the year when you started and stopped and started and stopped. What was it about those first two years that clicked so well within that team? I mean, it, it kind of was a mix of, of a lot of things. I think, you know, the leadership, not just from the coaching staff. Obviously, Tata was a great coach. He had a clear vision of kind of what he wanted us to look like on the field, what he wanted to get out of every player. He very carefully selected the players, you know, and, and obviously in conjunction with the club. But he knew kind of what he needed in order to be successful. And I think that kind of showed right from the start where then the leadership, you know, in the locker room with, you know, veteran guys like Michael Parkers, Jeff Lorenowitz, you know, then Brad Guzan came in, guys that, that knew what it takes to win. And that paired with, you know, young, energetic, motivated South American guys like Miguel Marone, you know, Joseph Martinez, Tito Villalba, like those, those type of players. We just had a great mix, you know, and we all pulled in the same direction. And that was week in and week out to, to perform at the highest level and then ultimately win games. And that with, with that, that paired, like I said, with a clear identity and a clear mindset of how we want to go about things and how we want to achieve those things, that was the, the perfect mix. Yeah, I kind of already mentioned that your first year with, with DC was not a huge success. I think most people around that club would say was not wonderful. But you've got a new thing going. You've got a new coach. You've, you've got sort of a, a bit of a shakeup there. What's your outlook heading into this season? What do you think we can expect from DC? I'm excited. You know, I think I'm really excited to be part of this, this kind of revamping of the club, like kind of reviving a bit, maybe, hopefully, you know, where we can make consistently the playoffs, not just this year, but, you know, for years to come. And then ultimately, try and play for trophies again you know I, I think the, the club is obviously so historic and so has such big tradition in, in a way of, of winning so many MLS cups and and open cups and, and being so successful early on that it just took a while to kind of carry into that new age and, and, and new new era of MLS and uh, you know now with a new head coach very young energetic you know dynamic coach that has a clear idea of, of kind of what he wants to achieve out of out of the team similar to Tata, you know, where that's kind of my first impressions where, you know, we could have something special here and, and that paired with, you know, now we're getting a new training facility and, and, and obviously Audi Field and, and all that stuff, you know, it all, all kind of kind of comes together in a way where I'm, I'm looking at the future very positively and, and I'm excited to be part of this project. 
Um, it is a project, you know, it's not like it's, it's just thing where we're going to say, oh, we've got to win MLS Cup in the next two years. No, but, you know, we want to be a consistent force and have a clear identity about us that kind of pushes this club into the future and, and that hopefully a lot of fans can identify with going forward. Now, it's been a while since since you played with DC United. MLS has the notoriously long off season, but long. you long, yeah. seem like you've had a lot going on. You're, you're a new dad. You timed that baby almost perfectly, yeah. born one week before the season ended. So, you know, I can't imagine that you've uh, had a lot of boredom time on your hands. How has that changed your life? It has changed my life in every way possible. It was it was incredible. It's been it's been an amazing timing, like you said. Obviously, I hoped the season would have gone a little bit longer and we would have made the playoffs and I could have continued. But yeah, the you know being home for now the first four months of, of my daughter's life and you know seeing her develop on a daily basis, you know from week to week, is has been absolutely incredible. And then I have a bond with her, you know that. That I don't know, I, I hope a lot of dads get it, you know, but maybe not everybody can because of work and stuff. So the timing was obviously incredible and, and I'm excited to continue that with her, but I'm also kind of itching to get back. You know, I, w- I would be lying if I, if I said I'm happy just to be home all the time. No, I'm ready to play. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the season. But yeah, the, the personal life and the family life has been has been an absolute blast, even though, you know, we weren't able to share it as much as we would have liked with other family members, especially, you know, my family from Germany that wasn't able to come over yet. A lot of them haven't met her yet, you know, so it's just, uh, it was difficult in that sense. But for me to personally get that time with her and kind of spend the time with my wife and her at home was, was awesome. All right. I want to sort of take things back even further about your path to where you got where you are. As far as I can, I, I can tell you're from somewhere in Franconia. Tell me about where you grew up. <laughs> yeah, so I grew up in Neustadt an der Eich, uh, which is about 30 to 45 minutes uh, outside of Nuremberg. In Franconia, you know, Bavaria, northern Bavaria. And yeah, we grew It's a small town, like ten to 15,000 people live in it. And yeah, grew up there, you know, regular family. We own a family business in that town as well. Yeah, what kind of business? It's a transporting, like a transporting company, logistics company. Okay. Yeah, my great, great, great grandpa, they've started it back in the day. And now my grandpa kind of took it over. He's running it with my mom at the moment. My mom's stepping in more and more as the as the boss there. No, she is the boss basically. But yeah, so I just grew up in that town, played soccer for all my life. Then ended up at an academy at Greuther Fürth Academy. They were second Bundesliga team, obviously. And yeah, played through their academy. And yeah, that was kind of the beginnings of my, of my soccer career. Hey, y'all. It is Matt Herman here on Talking Foosball. I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle. It's a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle, it was created to give everybody the opportunity to take a podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and you don't really know where to start, Hustle is a great place to start. As part of the program, you're going to receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to a community discord, an e-learning course full of tips and tricks, 
On top of that, we're going to help you get your show pushed out to Apple, to Spotify, Google, Stitcher, other listening platforms. And the best part is it only costs 15 bucks a month. That is basically the same rate as other hosting sites would charge you just for initial setup and, and you know putting your pod out into nowhere. Whether you're starting from scratch, if you have an existing show, that's also good. If you want to grow it, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Okay, acceptance into this program is limited. Get your application in today to apply. Go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. That is bwhustle.com slash join. So you played in the in the Kreuterfurt Academy until you were, what, 15, 16? Yeah, some, I think U15s, that's when uh, they said, okay, you're not developing fast enough for us and, and uh, we're kind of not basically letting you take the next step into the next age group. So uh, it kind of kicked me out in that sense, if you want to say that. Did it feel at the time, I mean, obviously that's a tough thing to, to have happen if you're really, you're really into playing soccer as a kid. Did it feel at the time like they were making a fair decision? Like, did you feel like, oh man, I, I, I still got more to contribute? Or did you feel a bit like, yeah, I can see that there's a bunch of guys who are actually better than me right now? At that time, I felt like it wasn't fair. But I think a, a year or so later, or, or a time, sometime later, like I said, going back when you look at it a bit with a distance, uh, now I can say they made the right decision. You know, I, I wasn't playing as good as the other guys were. I wasn't as fast as the other guys were. I wasn't as as athletic as the other guys were it was just i was just not developed as as far as other as other as other players on the team and um that's okay you know like i think everybody goes through those developmental phases uh, at different times so you know for them to make that decision that's kind of the model how it is in germany you know if that's right or wrong that's a different debate but i just developed you know a year and a half or two later you know, and, and by that time they actually wanted me back, but then I said, no, I'm okay. Like, I don't really want to do it anymore because that other thing's going on. Yeah. So it just, it just kind of, it, it crushed my dream in that moment. It crushed my dream of becoming a pro soccer player. And I was like, man, I've worked so hard for this. This is what I wanted to do. And as a 15 year old, right, it's not easy to take, but it ultimately worked out, worked out to be a, be okay. <laughs> Any memories of, I mean, obviously at the U15, U16 level, there are many, many more players who don't make it than do. Yeah. But do you have any memory from those times of playing against guys who eventually did make it? And, you know, did you see anything in some of these players when they were that age? And you're like, huh, I think that guy's got a future. Not really, to be honest with you. I didn't really remember playing against somebody that then turned out to be this amazing, you know, Bundesliga star, international star or whatever. Well, you know, uh, until later when I was uh, playing in the Regionalliga uh, in, in, in Bamberg, mm-hmm. in amateur division, you know, you I played against the Bayern Munich second team and Emre Can was playing there, Mitchell Weiser was playing there. So you play against a couple, you know, players that are now in the Bundesliga and stuff. And yeah, but other than that, in that 15, 16 age group, I mean, if anything, they some of those guys maybe play in the second Bundesliga or anywhere, but not like, not like really, you know, world stars or or anything like that. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to make it, man. <laughs> it's super hard to make yeah, it. it. I is. mean, even some of the guys, I was looking at some of the rosters of similar ages to you at Fiat. Even players who have had solid Bundesliga careers, like Felix Klaus or Johannes Geis. Yep. I mean, these are not star players. They're yeah. just solid pros, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and and I I think I I had an opportunity, you know, kind of moving ahead or or where I was in the in the Regionalliga, I, I probably had an opportunity to stay in Germany and, and and try through the third, you know, third Bundesliga or second Bundesliga because I was playing quite well when I was when I was 17, 18 in Bamberg. So I I feel like I could have gotten a shot there for one of those clubs, but you know I I made a decision to go to college and see the very important part of my life to get a degree, and kind of combine it that way where, you know I just kind of I kind of didn't want to want to go through that again of of what I had experienced before with you trying to become a professional in Germany and you're trying to you know you have this idea in your head that you want to do it. But then, you know, somebody else comes around again and says, no, you, you know, you're not, you're not ready. You're not good enough, essentially, to, to do it. So I, I wanted to be prepared for life and a degree was, was important to me in that sense. Yeah. Tell me about that. What, what was your, your time at Providence College like? I mean, did you go there expecting to be, you know, a big time soccer player on their team or do you just mostly just want to go and, and get a college degree? At first it was just, you know, get a college degree and play some soccer, you know, still play high level soccer. I didn't go there thinking, okay, if I go through this, I can make it an MLS. Like, no, not at all, to be honest with you. I, I kind of got introduced to MLS my first few months there where I, you know, we were close to New England and Jermaine Jones would play in New England. So I kind of, you know, you knew him as a player and I was like, oh, it might be interesting, you know, when to go see a couple of games. And then as I kind of, you know, played through the throughout the years, you know, especially after that first year, I had a pretty good freshman season. And then my coaches were like, you know what, if you can kind of push on and, and, and kind of work hard, you probably have a shot at getting drafted. So then I had a very good second season. And then I was like, OK, let, let's try it. You know, if, if not, I know I want to definitely finish my degree anyway. So if it doesn't happen, then you can always fall back on that. No problem. So I pushed myself in school, you know, to get the degree done in three and a half years and play soccer, you know, at a good level and, and kind of showcase myself the best way I could. And um, I was able to do that. And, and, and then, uh, yeah, I got drafted ultimately. But it was... It was definitely a, a good way for me to to kind of kind of go both ways, right? In a way where I knew I could fall back on the degree if I needed to. This path that you know you took, you know, sort of restarting in some ways your soccer career, or really just you know continuing it in a different form by going to a U.S. university. I mean, you took this path. Your co-podcaster <laughs> Fabian did the same thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, your college coach, for example, you know, Craig Stewart got his master's degree while playing soccer in the US. Yep. How did you get this idea? Did you did you know anyone personally in Germany who had gone down this path or had you spoken to anybody about this? I mean, the university I teach at, UW Madison, we got like I think three guys from Germany, one who was a Unterhaching uh, Academy guy. Okay. It seems like the word is out at least in like youth soccer circles in in Europe that like oh, this can be a pretty good way to go. Yeah, I mean, back then, to be honest with you, I didn't really think about it much until 
there was one moment where I got a Facebook message from an organization that connects players with, you know, with schools, with colleges, and they help them get a scholarship, kind of like agents, right? If you think about it that way, you know, you create this online profile, you create a highlight video of yourself, and then they go out and talk to different different colleges and coaches to see kind of what they need on their team. And then Providence was one of the teams that that came around, and then I absolutely loved it, and it was a great decision to go there. But yeah, I certainly think that since then, probably has become more and more, you know, people in Germany have become increasingly aware of, of, of that path, you know, that, that availability of that path. And I speak to a lot of people or a lot of people reach out to me still every year to kind of see, hey, I want to do this. How did it happen? Kind of what did you think? What did you do? Uh, you know, some more serious than others, but it's certainly interesting to kind of kind of see see how it's developed. Maybe even with you know because of me and, and Fabian and some of the other success stories that that have come across. All right, I want to talk to you about German football because that's what this podcast is really about. I understand, unfortunately, that you're a Bayern fan. Yes, well, not, not unfortunately. It's very fortunate for you. <laughs> <laughs> what do you make of uh, of where the Bundesliga is at right now? I mean, you've I'm, I'm sure you've watched it off and on your whole life. Yeah, I mean, I, I I love watching the Bundesliga to this day. You know, I miss having the the conference. You know, here in the U.S., where now it's you have to pick a game <laughs> to watch it. But uh, yeah, I love watching Bundesliga every weekend. Uh, look forward to it. And and like you said, I'm a I'm a big Bayern fan. I've always been a big Bayern fan my whole life. I didn't just become a Bayern fan because they kept winning. <laughs> my grandpa instilled that in me that you know that Bayern love. And yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, I like watching the Bundesliga. I, uh, now it's it's tight again up top, I guess, with Leipzig having having picked up a few points and, and Bayern kind of a little bit tired, getting caught up in their tough schedule. But you know, I, I love I love watching. You know, sometimes I don't I don't always watch Bayern games. I love watching clubs like like Freiburg or or Augsburg or you know teams like that that, that have been around in, in in the Bundesliga for a while that have have year in and year out done a really good job of, of knowing who they are and kind of created an identity around them and around the club that um, you know that translates onto the field and I, I love that about the Bundesliga and, and kind of what what so many teams do with with not as much money as in the Premier League and and other leagues in, in the world. What do you think comparing MLS from the inside and you know you were around a, not a, a, a Erste Bundesliga club although Fürth has been up a couple of times yeah. but you were at the the trainings Gelände or, or what have you you sort of have an idea of the inner workings of a fairly big German club. What do you think these two leagues sort of can teach each other in a way? Ooh, that's a that's a tough question. People usually always ask me how to compare it, right? And 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 compare the two leagues, but I find that very difficult because I haven't, like you said, haven't been inside a, a Bundesliga team. I haven't been inside the league to really know what it's like. You know, I get as much as you basically by listening to podcasts and and listening to interviews and and you know all that type of stuff, but. Yeah, I think MLS obviously has a lot to learn, you know, I think from from the German league of of how how smaller clubs that that necessarily don't want to spend as much money as as others can do so by, you know, making the right transfers, by scouting the right way, by having a clear identity in terms of a coach. You know, where some clubs here, I feel like, are still trying to find their way a bit, where they, they're so in between, between do we want to spend a lot of money or do we want to you know, kind of not spend and, and, and don't really know how to go about that then. 
you know, they're kind of just like, oh, let's spend a little bit and kind of see how it goes, if it works out or not, you know. So in that sense, I think there's a lot to learn in terms of culture and, and, and that type of stuff. But yeah, and I mean, for the, for the Bundesliga, I think looking at MLS, I think there's great talent over here. And I think a lot of, a lot of GMs and, and coaches actually know that. I know... I think Freddie Bobich from Frankfurt, for example, is a massive MLS or, or US fan in general. So, you know, I think from Wolfsburg, uh, Marcel Schaefer, he's obviously played over here, GM there. So, you know, they kind of know what the market's like and they're looking more and more over here. You, see, you hear a lot of young kids going from Dallas to Bayern Munich or, or from other, you know, Brendan Aronson now went to Salzburg, which is in, in Austria. But, you know, obviously that kind of path is uh, certainly certainly interesting, I think, to a lot of Bundesliga teams. And yeah, it's just obviously a two-way street. But yeah, it's kind of kind of cool to see how both leagues will develop in the future and, and kind of maybe take a few things here and there from the other. Yeah, I've, I've been really interested in how much things have become intertwined. You mentioned already, uh, you know, Marcel Schaefer and his MLS experience. Arne Friedrich now in charge at you know, my club, Hertha, yep. he's, he's got MLS experience. Lutz Fahnenstiel liked MLS so well, he decided to join. Yeah. I feel like the exchange is going to be happening more and more in the coming years. Could you ever see yourself as being part of that exchange? I know you have a very good situation right now. You've got a, you know, you've got a good team to play on. You've got a good contract. You've got a lovely family you're starting. You're in a, a, a lovely city. I, I'm, I'm from the DC area, so I'm a bit biased, but. Have you ever received a serious offer from Germany? Would you consider one if it one came along? Oh yeah, I would always consider it because it's it's still home. You know, Germany's still home. As much as I feel at home at here, it's still kind of where I grew up. What I what I watched week in and week out, and what I still watch week in and week out. Where I grew up, you know, wanting to become a Bundesliga player, and and if a serious offer came around, that would obviously be be a dream, you know, scenario. Where if it ended up happening, it would be great. But. I haven't received one and I don't necessarily know if I will just because, you know, you kind of see the trend of, of Bundesliga teams looking at younger players that they can develop a bit more. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm 27 now, so it's not like I'm the youngest um, anymore in, in soccer age. So it's just, yeah, something that if it comes around great, if it doesn't, then I kind of say, okay, that's fine. You know, no problem. But like you said, we have a great, great life here. We're excited, excited to be in D.C. and kind of like I talked about that project earlier to, to be part of this club. And, and, you know, I want to do this here and my wife loves it here now with the baby, you know. So it's, it's certainly a good situation for us that I don't necessarily have to force anything if, you know, loose interest were to, were to, were to come around. All right. Now we'll wrap this up in just a minute here. You've lived in Florida. Yeah. You went, did, did a little high school there. Yeah. You lived in Rhode Island for college. You lived in Georgia. Uh, for a few years with, with, uh, the five stripes. And now you're in the DMV. I'm not going to ask you to necessarily pick your favorite unless you want to tell me, but what are some things that stand out about these places? Well, uh, I didn't really, I feel like I never really got to experience the DMV quite fully yet because of the whole coronavirus, you know, pandemic. And because like, I think three weeks after we got here, we moved in and that's when everything shut down. So, it kind of, kind of, uh, yeah, it was annoying in that sense because we really like getting to know cities and, and seeing what, what different cities are like. We absolutely loved Atlanta. We lived right in the heart of, of Midtown there and it was awesome. And, and to be so connected to the fans there and obviously the support we got as players made it, made it even more, even, even more special. Rhode Island is, or Providence College is, is like a family. You know, that's, it's, it's, it's home. My wife is from Boston. 
So we we visit there and we go there quite a bit, and that will kind of, I guess, be my adopted hometown, if you want to call it, in in the U.S. And Florida is is more more vacation than anything else, I think. So it, it, it's I don't really see myself living in Florida permanently. But the weather and the golf and all that stuff obviously wouldn't hurt. Yeah, you never know when you're going to turn into a Florida man. Yeah. <laughs> I've had to pick one right now. I guess I would probably pick Atlanta. That and then a close second would be Providence, Boston. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think I think those are the places you've, you've got to know best. All right. Julian Kassel, the host of the soccer podcast uh as well as he's also a, he's also a soccer player but you know right now let's focus on the important things at least until uh monday when you are concentrating on training that's with right dcu best of luck this season thanks so much for coming on talking foosball and yeah everybody listen listen to the soccer podcast appreciate it thanks man